From Maintain Media, this is Digital Frontiers, a show about the people pioneering the digital economy in Asia. For show notes, visit us at maintainmedia.com. Hi, I'm Michael Walters. And this is Andrew Roth. This week on Digital Frontiers, we have Stephen Jager from Payroll Hero. Uh, Stephen was one of the first people I met uh, in the startup ecosystem in Singapore. Uh, we were both competing in the uh, E27 Echelon Conference a few years back. He has helped me over the years uh, talk to everything from recruiting to investing. Uh, what do you think of the show, Michael? I really like the way that he came to uh, the current idea of Payroll Hero through solving one of the problems he had at an existing startup. Personally, it gives me uh, a lot of confidence that I can do something similar. Yeah, this is a, a great episode, and uh, let's get into the show. All right, Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming out here. So tell me a little bit about, just for the audience, like what is Payroll Hero really quickly, and what have you been doing since 2012? Yeah, so um, well, Payroll Hero is it's basically a SaaS platform for time, attendance, scheduling, HRAS, payroll and business intelligence. Um, so it's, we're after emerging markets. We started in the Philippines. We chase restaurants, retail, BPO industry, basically anybody highly scheduled hourly workforces. Um, we sell them into the platform. It's a nice end-to-end solution so they can clock in, clock out. We're selfie-based so they take a photo of themselves for facial recognition. We can make sure it's the right employee in the right place at the right time. And that time attendance data ties into the payroll piece so it's an accurate rules-based Platform. Okay, so you're, the problem you're solving for the client is around uh, reporting and uh, integration with accounting and yeah, eliminating fraud is mm. usually a bigger a big piece. Having accurate payroll is a big piece. A lot of these companies, emerging markets, are using either nothing like Excel documents and punch punch card systems or not system punch card machine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and manually doing a whole bunch of stuff, pulling data from here to put it there, running it in an Excel document that may or may not be up to date. Um, Isn't it amazing how many people are still running their businesses yeah. on spreadsheets? It is, and it, it kind of makes sense. In some of these, some of these emerging markets, they don't have a choice, yeah. right? And so when we built Payroll Hero in the Phil, for the Philippine market first, because we were there operating our outsourcing company and we couldn't find a solution. And so it's like we were playing in Excel and got tired of it and didn't like it and there was there's there was nothing. There was no other option. So they don't it's not like they choose to do it necessarily. It's they just you know, nobody nobody's paying attention to these emerging markets. Um one of the things I remember from your presentation that you were big on was around this idea of, you know, team building and recruiting and this idea of adventure engineering. What's the story behind that? Like So um we have our office, had our office, we still have an office in the Philippines, and um, we were trying to build our engineering team and struggled to find more engineers. Um, and so it was definitely Mike's idea. Mike and I are from Vancouver, Canada, and uh, Mike lives in Whistler when he's, when he's there. He's moved from Vancouver to Whistler a while ago. And so Mike thought that maybe we could use Whistler as our advantage. And because um, there's a lot of, I don't know if you've ever been to Whistler, there's a lot of it's a, for those that don't know, I guess it's a little ski hill. Right? It's 20,000 people that live there. It's the best ski hill in North America. Uh, but it's a really, really tiny little ski village. Um, and so if you're working there, um, you're in the restaurants and the bars, or you are on the mountain. You work for the mountain itself. You're a lifty, whatever. And so there's a lot of, tons of smart people that are taking a year off or uh, finished university and like I'm just going to hang out for a year and so they'll go and to survive they'll work as a bartender except they've got a degree 
or they've got amazing experience or they whatever. And so we set up a little office there with the idea of we could use the mountain as a differentiator to attract engineering talent to us because it was very difficult to find in the Philippines for the level that we wanted. And we had trouble bringing guys into the Philippines because people just didn't want to, it was hard hard sell to get them to move into Manila. Um, and so we chose Whistler so we didn't have to compete with Vancouver because Vancouver is a very unique market. It's the same time zone as San Francisco, but it's in Canada. America's got a pretty crazy immigration policy right now where they're just not letting people come in. And that doesn't mean tech companies aren't bringing people in, they're just not putting them in America. And so Canada's totally opened up and said, yes, awesome. You know, set up an office in anywhere in Canada, bring in your $150,000 a year guy, we will tax him and we're happy to have him here. And so it's relatively easy for Canadian companies to import workers. So in Vancouver, Facebook has set up Salesforce, LinkedIn, Twitter, they all have offices there. And then there's local big companies like Hootsuite, 1,000 employees, um, Build Direct is there. So there's a lot of big tech companies in Vancouver, which means a lot of money, which means higher salaries, and we don't want to compete that way. And so we set up the idea of adventure engineering was use Whistler to our advantage. Set up a small engineering office there, attract guys that like to um, be outside. So you're on the business development side, yep. and your, your, your co-founder, um, Michael, is more on the product side, right? Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more on, on, on sales. You know, When it comes to SaaS, there's a lot of books out there, a lot of blogs, specifically on business development, sales techniques, you know, are you subscribing to any methodologies? Like how many people do you have on your team? Do you separate your sales development roles from your, you know, your inside salespeople, you have field salespeople, how's it working? Yeah. So we've got, um, we like predictable revenue. It's kind of like the the thing these days. So we definitely like it. A lot of it makes sense for what we're trying to do. Yeah. It's a good book by Aaron Ross. We'll, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's a great book and we kind of use it as like a, like a Bible, like if we have a question or like, what do we do with this or how should we try and attack that? We'll go and try and find that part in his book and see like, what did he think about it or whatever. Um, but yeah, so so the way we do it is kind of a, a, we've had to do a couple things differently because selling into emerging markets, right? There's just challenges that are just people, if, if you've got methodologies for how to sell into Canada, the US or Australia or wherever, it's just not the same. Like, you know, the Philippines might, you can't call people on your cell phone because just the cells just don't work very well. So you're constantly getting cut off or saying, can you hear me? Or it's get staticky. And so I found where I was, when I was there, I just didn't do a lot of that calling, calling, a lot of texting, which drives me crazy. Mm. But they're, they're much more of a texting world Mm. and tons of emails and lots of face-to-face meetings. They always want presentations. Um, so definitely a different slice on, on how to sell because like webinars just not going to work. The internet's not going to cut it in many of these businesses. They don't have good enough internet. And it's hard um, to do this like hundred percent inside sales because like you said, they want, they do want the face to face. I've noticed that in, in, you know, Indonesia, Philippines, they love here. It. Yeah. They like, they'll, they'll become like, they'll sign up to become a lead. And their first question is when can someone come and present? And so we have to be like, oh, like hold your horses. Let's back up a little bit here because we don't, the the we don't want to send somebody out to go present because the traffic is so bad in these big cities in emerging markets that you can do two meetings a day. You know, it's like an hour to get to it, an hour meeting, an hour back, and then you know to the next one. That's your day's gone. You had most of it sitting in traffic. And so um, the way our world works is twofold. One is we sell through partners. So we wanted to figure out partners quickly, um, even though we don't technically need them in places like the Philippines or even Singapore because it's English countries. 
we knew we wanted to figure out how to work with a partner um, and, and figure out the relationship so that when we get into some of these other countries that we're going to have language challenges, that at least we figured out the basics of like how to use our logo and how to communicate with us and what's the onboarding flow and how to close our deals and how like we figured all that stuff out with somebody that was easy because it was English. And now we've got all those pieces in place. So when we step into a country that uh, we're going to have language problems, then we'll figure out those pieces and, and those challenges. Things like that. What, what about, um, I know you're big on content. I know you do a lot of events, marketing, infographic, infographics. I've seen you pump out there. Is that all because you're trying to hit you know, 50% of your leads come from inbound, 50% are outbound? Are you at that ratio yet? No, is it... most come from inbound. I'd say like 80% are still oh, coming in from inbound. That's great. Which is good. We yeah. like, they're better, I think, because they're more qualified. Yeah. The further down the funnel, for uh, sure. Yeah. But yeah. And so we like, we like that. Yeah, a lot of it comes from what we do. I want to do more. It's funny, like, I feel like we're slow and not doing enough. And uh, there's more we want to do. But I see a regular stream. I mean, at least from LinkedIn and you would try. Yeah. You know, I think every entrepreneur is, you always think you're slower than, you know, yeah, yeah. everything just feels slow. We want to go faster. <laughs> but yeah, the idea is we do you know, a lot of blogging um, around the business itself. Like, I feel like the blog is kind of the heartbeat of the business. If you look at our website, it's like, here's the product, here's the price. Like, that's the stuff. But if you want to figure out who we are, you dig through our blog for a little bit and you learn a lot about us, what charity events we go to, who the new team members are, why we do certain things, why we don't do certain things. And are you using, um, what what platform are you using for your blog? Are the you blog's using WordPress, on WordPress, or? yeah. Yeah, and then we just track the analytics through Google Analytics. Um, You've been working with your co-founder, Michael, for, you had said before, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really weird, actually. How it started was... Mike and I, I had my own company that I started doing advertising inside of taxi cabs okay. back in the day, like 1998 or 99. And one of my challenges was a website. I needed to build a website. I didn't know anything about it. And Mike at that time was building websites. And so I phoned Mike and said, hey, I need you to help me build a website. And he's like, you know, okay. Um, and he says, you have to go and find the web host. I'll build the site. And I said, awesome. Like, what is a web host? They're like, don't even know what you're talking about. I would like to meet that person. Yeah. And so he literally drew on a board of like the cloud and he's like, that's the host. And here's how that computer connects to it through those cords and like tried to explain the whole thing to me. I was like, okay. And so I made a list of the things I wanted. I wanted a toll free number to call. I wanted to pay monthly. I wanted to pay in Canadian dollars. And I had this whole like must have list. And I started phoning web hosting companies. And I, I felt like I was phoning these guys. Some of them don't have numbers. Some of them don't take Canadian dollars. Some of annual payments. People I did get on the phone, we were speaking English, but I didn't know what the hell they were talking about. Like, it's just, I was talking to, like, these hardcore, high-level customer service dudes that are not going to, you know, back in 99, it's just, yeah. you, you only had tech guys called tech guys. Like, the, you know, there was, there was no model for just somebody that didn't know what they were doing to right. get support. Um, and so I didn't like any of it. And I kept on coming back to Mike. I was like, I can't find anybody. They're useless. <laughs> and so I, I kept on asking, like, why can't I just do this myself? Like, I, you know, we, I have a computer. It's connected to the internet. You said servers or computer, whatever. And so by dumbing it all down, I got his brain, I guess, wrapped around the idea that maybe we could do it ourselves. And that there there was probably a ton of me running around like the guy that owns the bakery who's decided he should probably get a website or she should get a website and doesn't know what the hell to do and doesn't have a mic to phone 
And so we thought maybe there's a market of chasing these small to medium businesses, helping them get online, being a high level customer service so we could charge more. And so we did that. We set up a company called Combustion Hosting. We started chasing, literally opened the phone book and I would call businesses. Hey, do I have a website? We'd help them build little websites just to get that 25 bucks a month or whatever the hell it was we were trying to charge. And um, how, many years, how many years did you do it until you sold, sold it? We sold in 2006. Nice. And so, but in 2003, um, we noticed a bit of a change in things, uh, you know, in life. Um, big companies were getting into the hosting business. Yahoo got into it. GoDaddy got into it. I think GoDaddy was there by then. But a lot of these big players came in. All of a sudden, all the pricing was $9.99, $7.99. The pricing came way down. And these big guys were just going to kill the little guys like us. And so the, the theory we had was either we, we try and buy up a bunch of little guys and become a bigger guy, or we diversify or figure out a way to do it. So what we did was we, we had a few real estate agent clients that were on our platform. They, they would get a new listing, you know, a new house for sale that they've, they've listed in their jobs to sell it. They would fax the listing to us or some web designer, and that guy would type it in onto their website because that guy had skills to do it. And so we built this, what we call a listing engine, so that the realtor could upload the listing to his website or her website themselves, cutting out the web designer because they were paying $25 an hour or whatever to do that. Um, and so we built this little thing. We tacked it onto the web hosting. Instead of 25 bucks a month for hosting, it was now 35 bucks a month because you had the listing engine. And that was the beginning of what became UberTor, Uber Tour, yeah. which was our real estate software company. That's interesting because you have this story where then when you made that, like you said before, you made the decision to buy or, or start uh, Payroll Heroes because you couldn't find it's all connected good, to the same yeah. story. You just you, you start a business, something and, and you find a gap, something annoys you while you're operating your existing one, and that could become something else. This is ex- like so we we set up Uber Tour in 2003, and we still had combustion hosting, but we started stripping out the real estate clients and left the hosting clients. And then we sold the hosting business because we were just getting pushed around. It was all pricing-based, price, price, price. We knew mm. it was scary to us. Mm. And so we sold that off, kept the real estate agents. They actually paid more because we were talking about listings. And, and at the end of the day, we we're still selling web hosting. It was just, it was just a different marketing spin on and what, and it was easier for them to manage it. And so we built that company up, uh, actually just sold it in 2013. Mm. Um, but in 2008, we wanted to outsource the customer service for UberTor. And so we, um, Mike had found some random guy in Dominican Republic through Craigslist or something. And so we had some guy doing some customer service and it worked. We were like, we were able to interact with some dude that we'd never met, right? All over the phone and email and he was able to help support our customers. And so we added a couple more people and next thing you know, we wanted to do a bunch. That's what brought us to the Philippines. So we really, you know, long story short, we flew to the Philippines, decided to find outsourcing company, didn't do that, ended up building our own outsourcing company set up a business in the Philippines for about 150 agents with the idea of selling customer service teams back to people like Mike and I. And it was in the outsourcing company that Payroll Hero was born. <laughs> Got it. That, so I mean, that, that's in the DNA of the entrepreneur, right? You just find something that annoys you. I guess. And you, you build a solution for it. I guess. But it's like, it's pretty, you know, it's weird. Like people are saying, what the hell are two Canadians doing with a payroll software company in Southeast Asia? How'd you land but when it? you know the, the story, it's like, each one led directly into the next. And it's definitely not me, it's Mike. Like Mike's, Mike's, he gets agitated with certain things and they start to bother him, it starts to, you know, bothers him enough and he's like, okay, we gotta, let's figure this out. And then boom, there's something, 
you know, something comes up and sometimes it's payroll hero and sometimes it's some other thing that we would go down a bit of a rabbit hole and figure out, okay, that was a bad idea. Let's come back. Let's try this. So is it because you uh, you and Mike have this long history together? I mean, you, it seems like your families are really integrated. You're, you're, you're from like the same hometown. Is that what kind of, kind of keeps you guys grounded when you're going through your debates and issues and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I think we know a lot about each other, which helps so that like, I know, he knows my weaknesses. I know his weaknesses. I know his strong points, strong whatever. Like we, we have all of that. Um, we try and do this thing in the company about over communication. Like just we try and over communicate. Like give me an example because that sounds that sounds funny. It sounds like you know someone's standing in front of your desk and just over communicating. Well, just really long emails. Well, that's why we use things like Slack. Or we used to use HipChat. Now okay. Slack, but it's okay. like. Nobody in the business probably right now needs to know that I've walked out the door to come here to hang out with you guys for a little bit, but I put that in Slack. So if anybody's looking for me, there it is. Got it. But nobody, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't report to anybody that would be maybe looking for me, but just in case somebody is looking for me, the information is in Slack. Right. Right. right? So the culture of just, hey, this is, uh, and the um, sort of the, these modern work chat apps like Slack, HipChat, all that, and Pi, um, they're supposed to do that, right? They're supposed to like get rid of meetings, take away the, hey, where take are you at? Email. Yeah, take away email. So we love it. Like we've got iMessage groups on our phones. So we've got the Singapore iMessage group. So when a guy arrives, one of the team arrives into Singapore, we'll, we'll dump whoever's in the group before and add the new guy. And so like at the end of tonight, the, the chat thing will start lighting up about where we're all going to go for dinner or what's going on today or who's going to do something this weekend. And it's just... If I'm doing my own thing with my family, that's fine. But if these guys are all chatting in the iMessage group together, I kind of know where they're going. So if I'm going to go find them later, and so it's just about over communicating. So you over communicate. Uh, do we you, do it with clients too. Do you take that to? Uh, uh, yeah, that makes sense. Like clients. every after every meeting, we send a, a recap of the meeting. It's just like, hey, this is what I heard in the meeting, and we, I said I'm going to do this, you're going to do this. We try and, and we do it for every meeting, yeah. and then we put that stuff into a CRM pipeline deals, yeah. so that people have access to it. So if there's any concern later in the future as to something that happened, or I said something if it's not in the recap that was sent to the customer, we've got something to point to and be like, Steve didn't say it because it's not in the recap, and you agreed the recap was. Correct. Yeah, there's, there's this whole trend towards you know 100% transparency, like what Buffer is doing. Yeah, you're not at the buffer level yet, where you have like your salaries on your internal wiki and all that stuff. No, but we're pretty we're pretty close. Yeah, um, the guys like the team knows for the most part what's going on. Like they know how much the condos cost that we pay for for the company. They know they know almost every they know every cost in the business. Cool um, wages. I, like I think the engineering team is knows each other's wages. Yeah, because we they, they we hire they hire together. Hmm. So like Mike doesn't say, here's a new engineer that I found. I want to stick him in the team. Mike usually finds the engineer, but then he'll plug him into two or three of our guys and they'll vet him from a, a culture point of view and a tech point of view. So they'll vet him through like a one month project? No, they'll, they'll hang out with them for a couple days, pair with them. If it's digital or if it's virtual, they'll pair with them virtually. If it's in the same city, pair they'll, they'll pair, pair program. program together. Yeah. Okay. Just to see, like it's, I think it's a little bit easier in the tech world to see is he, is he got full of shit or not. Right. Right, rather than like a marketing person, it's like, well, marketing is a little bit more nebulous, and you yeah. need more time to put a thing together. But if like the guy writes code or doesn't write code, and it's sloppy or it's not sloppy, and it's, and so those pieces kind of really work, and that's why they think they they, they are very aware of the wages because after that process is done, 
and usually it always finishes with drinks or something just from a social point of view like can we work with this guy 12 to 14 hours a day Um, after all that it's like well the guy wants this much money and the team will talk about like what what they think where he where he fits in our you know against our team Um, how big is your team now? we're 19 or 20 now okay yeah and how many how many people on the development team? Nine, nine engineers, yeah. yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the venture capital scene because I, I get a lot of questions about that where it's like, okay, where do you go first? Who would you talk to? When's the right time to even ask for money? Um, what did you do with payroll hero? Did you, did you raise your first round after you, know, you had initial traction? Did you have it already up front because you funded Mike it? Mike and I funded own? it for the first while ourselves um, yeah we funded it quite a bit to just we wanted to make sure that it was going to work before yeah. we, we'd never taken anybody's money before this is the first company we've ever done that okay um, and so we wanted to yeah make sure we weren't get to get take, some leverage too right because if yeah. you have initial traction then you're going to have better valuations yeah and, and we wanted to figure it out because we'd never done it before so every time we've like done any stuff it's the first time um, and so we, Mike and I funded it. Um, we, yeah, got the product to a certain place where we were happy. We didn't charge much to customers. We wanted to kind of raise on the, the dream of the business, not on actual numbers of the business. Um, but, you know, a lot of people do the same thing. Because you, you're able to sell the dream if there's no numbers, there's no spreadsheet to build because you've got a bunch of, in, in theory, you should have a bunch of happy users. Right. Right, um, and so we had, a, a, you know, happy users. We should, we did charge everybody, but we were just charging them to prove that they would pay something. The amount that they paid was not relevant at the time. Mm-hmm. It was just to prove that they weren't wasting our time. Right, that they would pay a couple bucks to use it per month per employee or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so we did that, and then we raised, um, we raised in twenty, well, right after Echelon, I guess. Hmm. Okay, six months after Echelon. 2013 so you raised your sort of your official seed round yeah after Echelon it's sometime in 2013 I think yeah. late 2013 we closed it we did a convertible note yeah um, yeah and have you lo- I mean I, I think the sense I get is that a lot the appetite for investors right now it seems like in Southeast Asia and e-commerce and in Indonesia uh, have you had VCs ask you okay what's your Indonesia plan or uh, it depends on who you're talking to. We get a lot of VCs that say, what's your America plan? And we're like, come on. Like, <laughs> there's a big world out there. Like, you need to focus on what we're doing. It's, it's, I think it's more attractive what we're doing. Um, but for a lot of VCs, they either don't get it or they just can't get it. They're not mm-hmm. permitted to invest outside of a Delaware Corp that's right. doing America. And, like, right. they're just, their fund is structured that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there's other funds that like they're like like fucking sharks do whatever he wants whenever he wants in any country that he wants and there's it's like that's kind of you know, you know what you're getting with them it could be anywhere hmm. um, so it's a matter of figuring out who's the right you know who's the right money who's who can do this who can be helpful mm-hmm. that kind of stuff yeah okay uh, some rapid fire questions here uh, what do you use to organize yourself every day. Uh, Asana okay. for tasks. I'm probably for project the, management or tasks. Or every almost everything is in there. Okay, like the whole dev team, everything they do is in there. Just, how did you get them to use it? Because they love it. 
They love it. They so, love it. So um, you, you have, but you still use, and then you mentioned before you use pipeline deals for yeah, your pipeline sales, deals where all pipeline. the sales leads and all the com- conversations with leads lives. Um, what about dashboards? You're using Gecko Board, Ducks Board, Chart.io, anything that you know? No, we used to play with a. I think it was Chart.io or something else.io. Because I know Michael mentioned to me once that you you were doing the whole like Vern Harnish rocks and all that. And Rock now you do habits. OKRs, or yeah. you're big on the because it's a bit easier to, for people to what, buy and into. We found the dashboards; nobody was looking at them. Yeah, and so now we do them every day. We have a six forty seven meeting every morning, and so every department reports once a week. So I report all the BD numbers on Fridays, and so at the beginning of the update of the engineering meeting, it's it's an engineering meeting technically at six forty seven, hmm. but I'm in it, and our head of customer service onboarding is in it. And so Fridays, I'll report on how the week went, what numbers, what we sold, what we didn't sell, how what's the pipeline look like, that kind of stuff. What, just to what do you report there? Is it okay? We've got X amount how many of deals, we deals this at this stage in the pipeline. Is it yeah, stage not, by stage? They don't, no, not stage by stage. They the engineers just want to know the, the like the core of like what do we sell? Like, right. How many do we add this week? How many new employees? How many customers does that count for? Another thing we're playing with these days is that Zapier or Zapier, I'm not sure. How yeah, the integration. Totally dig it. Integrations, yeah. We do all these cool things with it. It's super easy for me to do it. I can say when a lead shows up from the website in Pipeline Deals, Pipeline Deals, Zapier into Slack. And so people can see in the BD channel, like, what the hell's going on? Yeah. And Wrapping this up, where, where do we find out more about you or Payroll Hero? Do you have any social media or websites you want to let them know? Uh, yeah, PayrollHero.Asia is probably the best one for directing people to our stuff that we're doing over here. Um, for me, yeah, I don't know. Twitter would be S. Jagger or my, my personal website is stevenjagger.com. Because you, you wrote like a book or something, right? I did. About, yeah. Uh, you have 2009. Account. Okay. What was yeah. it? it was about social media? Or? Yeah, it's called Sociable, um, you know, yeah, social media for the sales professional. Okay. It's because we were we were selling software to realtors. And we I like to be seen as an educator, not a supplier. So you write a book on how salespeople, realtors, should be using Twitter, Facebook, whatever, whatever, to sell products. Now I'm not the guy selling them websites. I'm the guy helping them run their business. Right. We do the same yeah. thing now. Yeah. I speak at HR conferences. Own, own the mind, own the mind share, or have a have a point of view or methodology mm-hmm. versus selling features and be functions. The, be the thought leader. Yeah. On stuff, not the supplier selling stuff. Awesome, man. Thanks. Good to oh, catch up. No problem. Yeah. Digital Frontiers was produced by Andrew Roth and me, Michael Walters. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can leave us a review on iTunes. If you have any questions, please go to our website at maintainmedia.com and leave a comment in the show notes. If you want to be notified of future episodes, please sign up for the newsletter.